Hello and welcome to Gotta Get Out of This Town, a podcast about disappointment. I'm Solway Sulane and with me I have two other people. I'm Fletcher, disappointment number one. And I'm Adam, disappointment number two. So should I start again with the whole speech about how I wanted to talk about nice things and now it's the third week in a row that we really dislike the record? How about we just cut to the chase and say that we're all feeling down because, remember, Lit murdered a guy. We're talking about Lit and their third album, Atomic. And yeah, I was excited last week for this because Lit's second album was really weird. And this is not one of those where it's just like, it's gonna be lots of negativity here. I won't be negative. You may not believe this. I don't like being overly negative on this podcast. I know that it happens a lot, but it's not a thing that I enjoy. I do. I'm the one who loves treating these like a Gensu. Yeah. You are the angry pop-punk nerd. I would just like to talk about things that are nice, but this podcast stops me from doing that. This album is a diarrhea dog shit dump. I'm pretty sure that's a Blink album. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember it? Whatever. Let's go to Obligatory. murdered a guy they used the police to kill someone at their restaurant he was homeless now he's lifeless lit <laughs> yeah this is the this is the warning <laughs> warning label on every lit episode uh they're not very nice people they were involved in a person in a homeless person being beaten to death by the police and that sucks and if you decide to not listen to this episode or not listen to lit on that grounds you're totally valid. We understand. Good news. I recommend listening to this episode and not this album. And now let's go into the actual episode talking about what came before this album in the previous episode of Lit. Last time on Gotta Get Out of This Town.
Lit lived in Orange County and bought their name from Orgy's lead singer, a known con artist with ties to the music industry. And then they proceeded to try anything they could to have a career, from hair metal to post-grunge to a place in the sun. Thankfully, Don Gilmore got them to stick to something with a hit in the form of My Own Worst Enemy. From there, they do a bunch of things that are really not that interesting. They basically tour all of the national disasters in the U.S., from Woodstock 99 to the 2000s Offspring Tour, and they feature their music in about a 1034 film. They are the go-to band when you're like, we need something pop-punky on this bit of the film. They also, uh, Jeremy Powell, the guitar player, also shows up on MTV Cribs in 2000. We watched that. It was the longest six minutes that I have ever experienced in my life. It wasn't the longest six minutes for me, but it also was kind of a wild ride. You can find it on YouTube. There's been talk of how a lot of MTV Cribs episodes were these stars being shown around staged rental houses in the LA area or major cities. I definitely believe this is the house that belongs to a pop-off brother based on how much retro stuff there is and the baffling decision uh, that the very last shot of the segment is a Nixon for President sticker in the window. Yeah. He also kisses his dog, which I know it's a thing that people do, but it's weird. Sorry. I mean, weird. There, there's kissing your dog and then there's like, like licking your dog's tongue. Also, um, what else is in that episode? He's very amused by thing being frozen, like, becoming solid. It's just like, hey, look, they're like packs, and just starts throwing frozen things underground, being amused by the sound they make. His fridge is also very organized because, you know, he's a Virgo. <laughs> because of course lit are astrology guys, of course. Well, of course, the pop-off who looks like a Static X bass player is an astrology guy. And a Sinatra guy. Holy crap, so many things in that house are pointed to as, you know, Frank did this, so I had to have it. He uses the same soap that Frank Sinatra used. And he has a case of Frank stuff. Frank was the best, you know. He has a tattoo, like a full sleeve tattoo of him. Can I just say, Jeremy Popoff is just a slightly more manslaughtery Seth MacFarlane. They both have a sibling they keep trying to kickstart into a musical career. They both love Frank Sinatra. They both make jokes that never land and go for the lowest hanging fruit in search of fame. Um, I could keep going. Uh, what are we trying to say is that the MTV Cribs episode with Jeremy Popoff is more interesting than this record. It is, by far. Do you think there's ever been a Seth MacFarlane MTV Cribs? Ah, uh, we'll, we'll find out. Because we don't want to talk about Atomic, the impossible album to research. Lit Star has faded so much that all you can really find are mentions of what movies these songs were used in. Their name and the name of the album are so generic that most of the results are about actual nuclear science. And I think I'm the only person on this podcast who has spent an actual appreciable amount of time referencing and learning about nuclear science, so it's sort of hard to like turn any of that into good jokes. Yeah. Uh, also, there is no such McFarland and TV Cribs, sadly. I'm just imagining pandemic cribs where the guys have to walk around using their own iPhone 
to shoot everything, how unwatchable would that be? I mean, I would take that over the crazy early 2000s style of editing of actual MTV Cribs. We're gonna zoom in on this car for three times in a row on the same angle. You had a sound effects on your editing. Yeah. It's very 90s, very 2000s. So yeah, it's really difficult to find out like interesting shit about this record because if you search for lit, atomic, band, interview, you just find interviews with people talking about atomic energy. The son of Jeremy Popoff was born on the same day that this record released. It is not that interesting, but like, even when you find interviews, the people interviewing lit are like, yeah, I don't even remember atomic was a thing. So that must tell you everything that you need to know about this record. Also, during this interview, Lit had, um, I think the guitar player from Lit, spout some really awful 2000 music takes, like Jet being mind-blowing and the best rock in years, and just pissing over Modest Mouse and Franz Ferdinand, because sure, you're, you're Lit, you're definitely better than those dorks that people still enjoy and remember to this day. And still have a career. I feel like a very 2000s bonus episode we have to cover at some point is the state of the 2000s rock is being saved by these artists' bands. The Hives, Jet, The White Stripes, all of that crowd. We should really just have some fun with, do these albums hold up? Do these guys still have a career? That's a spin-off podcast. The White Stripes are good. The White Stripes are good. They they were lumped in with that crowd. I'm just saying, you know the exact same articles I'm talking about that we're naming the Save Five Bands every time. Rock is back. And in the meantime, like, Godspeed, You Black Emperor, and Mogway were making better stuff than any of those bands put together could make. But it wasn't, like, nostalgic rock, so people didn't give a shit. Also, it's very hard to call Godspeed commercial rock. Yeah. <laughs> uh. That would be like me saying Mersbo is bringing back the club noise sound. And it's like, who's going to listen to the Mersbox? Who? Other than me. I'm just saying, if you go out of the mainstream, like, rock wasn't a really interesting place in the 2000s. We're just not talking about that. Then like five to eight years passed and all of the imitators started showing up and you had to endure stuff like uh, God is an astronaut and all this cheesy follow-up to that wave. And then you're like, oh no, what have you done, Mogway? You cursed us all with really mediocre music from your imitators. Look, I remember some of the really bad alt-rock also rans of the 90s from when I was growing up. So, you know... We could talk about God Lives Underwater and Monster Machine and other things. Uh, this is the theme of this episode. We should talk about things that are not atomic. Honestly, like, if we want to, I'm good for that. I don't have a lot to say about this album. Well, then it'll be real quick. Yeah, I don't think a lot of us do. Anyhow, so... Going back to how this record was made, due to the success of their previous record, the band actually started with a big, big budget for the recording of this. Don Gilmore is back on production, and instead of recording in a proper studio, the band rented, like, a whole house where to work and record and do this thing. And they also used the money for renting things like, I don't know, this nerf that Dave Grohl used on Nevermind, 
and have like masseuses come in and massage them. That literally their quotes. They rented these things. In June 2000, way before the record is released, the first single from the record comes out as part of a promotional push with the film Titan AE. It included a video featuring the band in space doing various space things. And yeah, the single doesn't really chart, doesn't really go anywhere. It would have been nice if Titan AE killed lit careers like it killed the Fox Animation Studio careers, but sadly, they do actually release the record eventually. Do you remember Titan AE? I do. What is that? It was one of the final Don Bluth movies. Yeah, it's a space movie in really awkward 3D. Oof. Very poor CGI, aliens blow up the Earth, humans are an endangered species in the galaxy, and a little street rat is following the trail of a treasure map to find a device that can actually build us a new planet, and after Earth. Remember Treasure Planet? This is the worst version. Oh. Yeah, the funny thing is it came out at the same time as Treasure Planet, and they both were sort of forgotten because both murdered each other's mindshare. Treasure Planet was okay. Titan E was worse. I liked Treasure Planet. Which one do you think is going to show up in Kingdom Hearts first? <laughs> I mean, the Disney one. But they own Fox! Yeah, but they still only use Disney properties. So far. Okay, here, which of these two do you think will show up first? Treasure Planet or Atlantis? Atlantis. Okay, so here... Hear me out. This is like game design brain here. Okay. Atlantis would be probably the most recognizable, but also Atlantis covers the same niche of uh, Little Mermaid in that they're both underwater worlds generally. And uh, you don't want to overlap too much. I feel that Treasure Planet may show up before because Treasure Planet actually is like different and allows them to do like different things gameplay wise in like a mainline Kingdom Hearts game. It's never stopped them. Hercules has been in every single one, and they went from Jungle Book to Tarzan to... They'll do the same things over and over. Oh, I'm not saying about doing the thing over and over. I'm just saying that Little Mermaid will show up in every game with Kingdom Hearts, and if you already have a Little Mermaid, you're probably not putting in also Atlantis. All right, that's fair. RCA had a lot of internal management changes getting us back on track, and by the time the record was ready after this huge debacle, the label decided that it was not worth their effort to push it hard. The band was not fond of this decision. After the record releases, Lipstick and Bruises and Addicted are the singles, and they don't chart. The record ends up being not a complete failure, but it generally doesn't perform well enough for anyone in RCA to care. It debuts at 34 on the Billboard 200 chart, but basically falls off in five weeks. The band will be let go from their RCA contract by the next year. Interviews mention that they asked for this release due to diminished support by the label, but it's unsure how accurate this is. In 2002, RCA dumped a bunch of dead weight due to the aforementioned restructuring, so this could pretty much be one of those you-can't-fire-me-I-quit stories that a guy like the Lit members would tell to make themselves seem better. And this is it, and we can now talk about this record, which charted for a bit, so we need to talk about it.
know what one of my favorite signs that something is going to be completely terrible is when I'm doing the notes listen? Huh. When I pull up the lyrics on Genius, like to something to someone, and they're in no way formatted and just look like some of the shit I scroll down on a notepad. Yeah, some of the lyrics on Genius, they forgot to properly format them and, you know, have different lines for different things. My favorite part is Chorus Guitar Solo Bridge 3, all is one word. Uh, the the video's not much to talk about. It's a tour video. It's the generic obligatory one of those. Oh, but... does something to someone have a video? Yes, it's just them on stage, and Pork Pie Guy looks like he's blind and high in every shot. Pork Pie Dipshit is my favorite member of Lit. <laughs> Who's Pork Pie Dipshit? I don't know, he's got a guitar and black sunglasses and a pork pie hat on and he constantly looks like he's five seconds from falling off stage or walking into a speaker it's great he's the only person who looks like he's having fun on that stage but yeah the album opens with something to someone which is like mediocre meat and potato rock and roll lacking you know how a lot of pop punk is like it's very pop it's very like tried but has like it still has like a bit of edge still has like that bit of like teen rebellion in it and like this just lacks anything of that this sounds less like pop punk and more like the worst kind of like nostalgia dad rock there are two tracks on this album tops that would be counted as pop punk and i'm being generous you see how i'm being negative about this song this is probably the second best song on the record and it's terrible. Oh, I wouldn't even go that far. This is a terrible opener. It's a slog. It's got no lyrics. It's repeated over and over. It has good drums. And it just starts out with that, like, annoying noise that, like, really, like, maybe you, I would consider tolerating that at a live show, but this is not that. It's almost five minutes long. It has good drums. I think this is the one song on the record where it was like, oh, the drummer showed up for this song and the, the guitar player didn't show up for this song because the guitar on the song might as well not exist, especially when it gets into that shitty, like, hair metal, 80s hair metal solo that just makes me roll my eyes. This song has good drums. This is the best that I can say about it. This is just a glacier rolling across the fucking plains to start your record. Hey, hilariously enough, track two feels about how I do about a lot of this album and that it's called The Last Time Again. It opens with, I don't want to be an asshole anymore, which, bad news for you, Lit. I mean, my my thing is that I heard that and I was just kind of like, okay, so stop being an asshole and stop making music, question mark. <laughs> There's two tracks on this album that are basically like alternate takes on my own worst enemy. This is the first one. 
I don't want to be an asshole anymore. I make all these promises and I break them. Something tells me you think I'm stupid. This is the last time. No, this is the last time. No, this is... And then he starts talking about how he's skipping like a broken record and repeats the chorus again. I think by volume, Reliant K, a band I called out for being incredibly repetitive, wrote more lyrics for each track than Lit did. Also, every time you say I don't want to be an asshole anymore, it just reminds me of a way better song by the Manzingers, which is called I Don't Want to Be an Asshole Anymore. Go listen to that. That song is way better. And it's like a way better take on the subject. They do have some very U2 Octung Baby reverb on the guitar on this track for some reason. Yeah, the, they do have a lot of U2 sound, but to me more than U2, especially with the cheesy synth, this reminds me a lot of uh, 2000 Bon Jovi. This is their... Um, mm. What's the name of the song? Have a Nice Day. It's My Life. Is them trying to do that. Kiss my wife. I don't know why anyone would want to try and be 2000 Bon Jovi. But then again, these are the guys who thought that Jet was mind-blowing, so... 2000's Bon Jovi had success, though. Yeah, sadly it did. If you look at Lit as the ultimate starfucker butt rock band, trying to be 2000's Bon Jovi makes a lot of sense. It's sort of sad how, like, every interview that you read from them, they go on and on about how they're rock stars and what rock stars should do, and so on and so on. And they, like, the mountain goes rock harder than fucking lit. Everyone rocks harder. How sad it is when, like, Magic playing dad, uh, John Darnell rocks harder than a band that keeps saying the rock star. Interestingly enough, I've heard some of modern country-era lit now. Country-era lit is a much better fit than them trying to do this warmed-over rock star gig. Yeah. Also, half of my notes here, Dan, are just like talking about the mountain goats, which I'll spare you. Uh, listen to the Bottom of the Hill live. That's on YouTube on the Paste Magazine uh, website. It's really good. But yeah, also another reason I can't take this song seriously is that the chorus of the song is basically the harmonica from the Beatles' Please Please Me. Da, 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 da. That literally that a weird and baffling and not very rock choice. Like, I know that the Beatles were popular in their time and like I like them, not everyone would agree. But if you're calling yourself a rock star in the 2000s, you don't just borrow like a, a melodic line from the Beatles for your chorus. That was not cool in the 2000s. Also not very hard. So, I must issue a correction on our last recording session. I looked up this album and I said, Oh, right, I remember Addicted, and I sang a bit of it. And Addicted is not the song I thought it was. By the band it was. 
Yeah, we were both thinking about Simple Plans Addicted. Which I think is coming up in a couple of weeks. I don't know, I'd take the Simple Plan song. Oh, Overlit? Yeah. Mm. I mean... Hilariously, though, I was correct in that they do do the exact same completely miserable thing with the lyrics here on Addicted. I'm so addicted to you and you're such a dick to me. So I was close, accidentally. Yeah, it's not exactly the same thing. Like, the Simple Plan song literally does the same thing when it's like, I'm a dick, I'm a dick, I'm addicted to you. Yeah. And uh, this tries to get a bit more creative with it, but does the obvious pun. And uh, the song is also just She Hates Me by Paddle of Mud. Except it doesn't say fuck. <laughs> Lit would not say fuck. It does kind of surprise me how PG-rated Lit is a lot of the time. But it makes sense, because they're like, Lit is a band taken straight out from the 60s. 70s. They have the Nixon sticker, remember? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> also, easily the most 2000s lyric on this record... And normally when we say that, it's like, oh, cool, casual homophobia. But no, this one is, she says she's been a hoe on the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> oh, God, Jerry Springer. Had to let me know. This is probably one of my favorite songs lyrically, because they're trying. There's wordplay. There's a couple lines like that. Oh, yeah, there's, um, I wrapped myself around her little finger and she gives me the middle one, which is a clever little pun. That was the one I was going to call out. Yeah, that's very good, actually. That it's like, again, I think someone, I don't know if it's the main songwriter, but sometimes they're like, there are bits of cleverness. They get a gold star for that one. Yeah, or in the, in the last record, um, Make Me, the, the Miserable Line, the Miserable Chorus, that was also like slightly clever, like misogynistic, but clever. Yeah, the first time you hear it, it's very clever. The, the problem with the song is that it just sounds like garbage, like... As the sing-alongy, cheesy thing. They are, again, they're very... It's a very old record. Like, I mentioned the Beatles in the last song, and a lot of this record just sounds like that late 60s, like, sanitized rock. A bit harder, because they obviously have, like, hair metal influences, but it's this kind of very sing-alongy, very sanitized rock, and... And it's, it's not good. Like, it's not off. It's not the worst thing that we listen. It's not sugar cult, but it is not good. Speaking of not good, let's talk about the track that has the second video on the album Lipstick and Bruises. this video because I posted a gif of it on my Twitter because it's a wonderful source for out of context gif. So easily some of the most fun I had with this record was how completely insane the lipstick and bruises video is because it kicks off with a police chase where an unmanned car is running the LAPD around town. Then it parks in front of the lit concert 
and the vehicle turns into a nine foot three robot called Mulletron. Yeah, so it starts with the car and you're there being like, okay, they like the cars, this is gonna be like a masturbatory car thing, and it's not! Because 30 seconds in the video, it turns into this robot. I love how shit the, the visual effects are for the robot. Like, the costume is terrible and it's great. And yes, <laughs> the robot just goes around shooting eye laser at people and giving them mullets. And <laughs> that is really funny. It's... and everyone, from women to fat guys to bodybuilders is so hype afterwards. It's because mullets are cool. This is such dumb guy cool in a way that I can absolutely appreciate. Just perfect. This is the highlight of the record on a lot of levels for me, especially because this song is pure butt, but it's reveling in how much fun and energy it has. Also, it's only three minutes. I don't know, I don't love the song. I like the riff, which is sort of Guns and roses But yeah, it loses me on the chorus. The chorus is very bad in a way that I don't like. It has that really obnoxious post-grunge-ass key change. Lipstick and bruises. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it just loses me on that. Yeah, I like the guitar on the song. This is the actual good balance of, like, cheesy retro guitar, but actually enjoyable, actually fun. This is what I hoped more of this album would be. Here's the thing. Lit was a, one of the few bands that was way more interesting when it was trying to sell out. Mm-hmm. This record feels like what the Lit guys genuinely love, which is retro shit. Like, they're very retro rock and roll. And it's really boring, and it's really edgeless, because you cannot do that kind of music in the 2000s, you know? Unless you are Jet or The Hives or... <laughs> yes, you cannot do that kind of music in the 2000s. You mentioned a bunch of bands that sucked. <coughs> Their previous record was them trying to take all of the trends of the 1999 and put them together in a single record, and it was amazing. It was really weird, because they, they instead of being, we're gonna sell out, we're gonna be pop punk... They went, we're gonna sell out, we're gonna be post-grunge, we're gonna be butt rock, we're gonna be pop rock, we're gonna be everything that's popular, just mash it into a single thing. And that was, like, weird and interesting, and, like, it was weird and interesting. I was about to say good, that record wasn't good, but it was a sort of a joy to listen to. And then, this is the record when they become themselves. They're like, this is the stuff that we like, and you realize, oh no, these guys are, like, fucking butts. These guys are dumb jocks that like old music because of some unresolved issue with their parents. And it's way less interesting. It's way less interesting. Yeah, I I wish this one got weirder. The most interesting thing, aside from the video, is that this was a single partly because it appeared in the motion picture Out Cold, a comedy I do not remember at all, but has a soundtrack that is very relevant to our show. Eve 6, Sum 41, Jack Johnson, Lit, Jimmy Eat World, Will I Am. <laughs> One of those things is not like the other. <laughs> I can't tell which one it is. I'm just not sure. Also, this has one of my favorite band credits I've ever heard. 
Greenlight Girl by Doyle Bramhall II, featuring Doyle Bramhall II and Smokestack. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm assuming every song on this record ended up on some film at some point. Lit as soundtrack mainstays. If you need, like, generic rock for your film, you just get a lit song, apparently. Lit was definitely the soundtrack to every Van Wilder spinoff imaginable. The Rise of Taj had a score by Lit. Uh, <laughs> oh, got a score by Lit? That's hell. I'm making that up, but... Oh, look, I clicked onto the next track, and this was on both Orange County, the soundtrack, and The Devil's Music, Volume 4. <laughs> what is the next track? The next track is Everything's Cool, and let me fucking tell you, it is not. I hit the city by three and the bottle by four. I'm thinking about the shit that I pulled the night before. And by the party at midnight, everything is cool again. Cause you'll be back with me then. So this is where it dawned on me. This is where I figured out what Lit is on this record. Sure. Lit is Jock Weezer. Oh, Jock Weezer. God, I thought you said Joke Weezer, and it's like, no, that's Weezer. <laughs> no, Weezer is Jock Weezer. Uh, they're Jock Weezer. Honestly, all day I'm like, what does this song remind me of? What does it remind me of? And then, like, two seconds before you said Jock Weezer, I was like, oh, yeah, it's that Weezer song. Lit has a weird obsession with, like, dad rock, with, like, 80s and 60s rock, which Wither has. Lit has, like, this obnoxiously upbeat tone throughout the album, which Wither tends to have when they suck. And, like, the only difference between Wither and Lit is that Wither is a bunch of, like, incel-y nerds, and Lit is a bunch of dumb jocks, but they're the same band. We do not have Weezer on our spreadsheet, but we reviewed Weezer somehow with this record. Yeah, we kind of did, and I do hate that. This is another track that might as well not exist. It's we're trying really hard to be sing-alongy pop, and then there's like an out-of-place solo. And uh, Also, this is another one of those tracks that is warmed over leftovers of the last album. Lyrically, this is my own worst enemy again. Hit the city by three and the bottle by four, thinking about the shit I pulled the night before, and by the party at midnight, it's cool again, because you'll be back with me by the... Same exact thing. <laughs> hey, yeah, I know I was a dick last night, but we're cool, right? We're gonna be... Like, nothing changed? All right. Uh, they are the personification of hangover movies. No, hangover movies are a great thing, because hangover movies are just something that will catch your attention that you can zone out of while you're fucked up the next day. Oh, oh, I forgot you meant, I forgot you meant the movies The Hangover, as opposed to the term hangover movie, which is just like, you wake up and there's some shit on TNT you put on as background noise. I totally forgot that trilogy happened. Yeah, the director ended up doing Joker after that. I know, award-winning director Todd Phillips. How sobering is that? Well, you see, you cannot really do comedy anymore, right? Because everyone is so sensitive. God. 
Happy in the meantime. You ever want to hear Lit do a ballad? No. Do you remember Mr. Big, the big ballad that was famous? This is that. Please kill me. Please murder me now. This is the shortest song on the album, and yet it feels the longest. Do you ever wanted to hear strings on a Lit album? Not really. So, I legitimately think some of this album would have been better acoustic just because it would have made the producers do something with it. Uh, I don't want to listen to this record acoustic. But this... Okay, so I've I've said before, I've heard modern country lit. There's an energy. There's something that... This is just slow, passionless lit. God, this song is hard. This is... Look... 80s hair metal ballads done sort of acoustic-y are already just like the most evil genre of song ever. Like, I hate them. More than words. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. Like, I do not hate hair metal as a whole. I think, you know, Living on a Prayer is like a classic. It's a fantastic song, you know. There are good things that are slower in the genre. Living on a Prayer is not an all-out fucking rocking anthem but it's it's a slower song that has dynamics to it but when that kind of band just straight up did a sad acoustic ballad that was just hell there was nothing on the song to like and lit just does that but 30 years too late and no no i no 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 Anyway, uh, next up is the part where our D falls off because it's drop D. This is the one song that made me laugh on the record. <laughs> this song is hilarious. It has this super hard rock verse that's almost like, I don't know, they were trying to be ZZ Top or something. It's hilarious, just like the contrast with the last song. And then it goes into this cheesy Foo Fighter chorus. And it's such a weird song. It's like... A bunch of mediocre things that don't fit together, just like mashed together. I think what... Oh wait, they do actually say fucked on this song. Okay. Oh no. 
would say fuck sometimes. <laughs> Lit can have little of fuck as a treat. <laughs> this this song is a treat in the middle of the album though because there's energy again. However, this is the point where I realized every song on this album is 30 seconds too long. Every track. That's funny. I realized that on the first track of the album. <laughs> to be fair, that one was five minutes and dragged like a coffin behind you. But it's this is the point where everything is three to four minutes. And if you chopped off about 30 seconds, I would be so much more kind to this album because it wouldn't be good but it would be better paced. It wouldn't be good, but it would be short. I mean, sometimes I'm much kinder to a band that's got nothing going on if they realize they've got nothing going on instead of trying to jerk themselves off to a drippy climax. I mean, but you have to have those guitar solos, Fletch. You have to have those amazing guitar solos. You know who was in classic rock and went, you don't need guitar solos? Tom Petty, and I loved him for it. Like, y'all are like, oh, this was a nice breath of fresh air on this. And I'm like, no, it sounds like the rest of the album to me. No, to me, it just was funny, the contrast between how hard they went on the verse, and then they go into one of the cheesiest, like, slow choruses of the record. That was just, like, a baffling bit of the record. Also a great laugh are the lyrics, got a new shirt trying to cover up the hurt because I don't ever want to show what you did. Uh. Thanks, Drop D. <laughs> yes, by the way, I do know that's a musical term. It doesn't make it any less funny than thinking somebody's <laughs> dick fell off in the middle of a hard rock track. Yeah. I am trying really hard to not make a trans joke here, so let's just go to the next track. Here, let's do the third week in a row. Yay, trans song, trans song, trans song. <laughs> I wonder how long I can keep this chain up. Uh, I don't know, but the, the next song is Sunny Weather. I don't have a joke about this. This is about the point on the album where I became very tempted to start booting up a game while taking notes, which I try not to do on my note listen. Yeah, I like this song. Well, like is a big word. I I tolerate this song. Uh, it's This is where I started going, maybe this record would be better as acoustic, just because this record isn't so samey that I can go, oh yeah, every track blends into each other, nothing sounds different. They're doing that, but there's no passion, no energy. Maybe just trying to intentionally get low-key with it would have worked better. So, the song is like... And a lot of songs on this record sort of try to implement that, but this is the most like blatant, like, 70s-inspired power pop jam. And... probably the best thing that I attempt to do here. Like, it's not terrible. I honestly have nothing 
really bad to say about this. This is like vintagey in a way that's actually sort of pleasant and like it's more specifically power pop than like actual, you know, hair metal or actually like a lot of the stuff is more 80s sounding. This sounds more like a, you know, 70s power pop and it's fine. A lot of bands that we talk about on this podcast for some reason have their 70s power pop nostalgia inspired song. Like even Jimmy at Word had, um, uh, what was the name of the song? Authority song, right? And every yeah. time I hear these songs, which are fine, I just think about how the Bets in the last couple of years did the same exact sound way better than anyone had before. And I'm just like, oh, I want to listen to the Bats now. We should do an episode about the Bats. They're good. They're not pop punk, but they're good. And they do this kind of stuff way better. I think every once in a while we need to do a non-pop punk episode just to make ourselves feel better on this show. I mean, this is not pop punk. We're doing a non-pop punk episode now. This is not pop punk. We should do a good non-pop punk episode, though. Here's a rule I think we should implement for this year. Every time we do a really bad album that's definably not pop punk, we get to treat ourselves to a really nice album that's not pop punk. <laughs> the problem is that that would be like every week that's staying stand right now. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe it would be better on the listeners. Hey, this week we're going to talk about the Mountain Goats, and two weeks out, uh, let me just spoil you on next week's show, we're going to talk about uh, <laughs> tobacco. Sure. <laughs> Next time around, track nine, next time around. And I'll tell you right now, I'll make it up next time around. Uh, I'm trying to remember which song this is. <laughs> this is the one that has the yeah chant that feels incredibly phoned in. Oh yeah, the yeah chants are fun. This song is about fake friends. Imagine being a rock band that's just like, oh man, they said they'd have my backs, but I'm all alone. I guess I'll 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 do this better next time. I'll find better friends, man. I love how in their interview they're like, oh man, if you're a rock star, you shouldn't tell me that you're reading books in a cafe. I don't want to hear that. That's not what real rock stars do. And then they have this song. Also, what a weird slam on Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> yeah, It's very clear uh, that Lit are not Springsteen-style rock fans. Uh, God, Lit sucks so much. This is the one time that I got angry while reading this dude's interviews. They are sad, like, pricks. <laughs> Just like, they sound genuinely unpleasant human beings to be around. You know, sometimes people just don't realize what assholes they come off as, and we call those pop-offs. That's where the term came from. Pop-off, bro, you're being a real pop-off. This is the most I've said pop off in, like, a year. It's fun. 
Uh, shall we talk about Slip? Pop, 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 pop off a track. Yeah, let's go to Slip. So this is them trying to be queen. Over 30 seconds of intro. I timed. Yeah, with this very, I think I'm Brian May guitar work on this thing. Adam, you like Queen. Did you enjoy the song? Absolutely not. Oh my god. So, now I feel really bad about the thing I was about to say because you're comparing this to Queen because I wrote, <laughs> they think they're rock stars, but this isn't even washed up levels of band. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that this is good queen. This is them trying to be queen. It's just very amusing that, I, that as soon as I'm about to say that, it's like, this reminds me of queen. <laughs> I'm not saying that this is as good as queen. I'm saying that they're really trying to be queen and failing awfully. This song sucks. <sighs> Even queen couldn't be good for more than a couple of records with the sound. And, um... The lid is surely not gonna not gonna do it. Like this is the point of the album where I was just kind of like, do I need to listen to the last minute of the song? Do I really, really need to listen to it in order to be able to review this for the podcast? No. Okay, I'm not gonna. This is gonna be one of the shortest episodes of the podcast. I usually have like a thirty second snippet of the song before every time we talk about a song. And I'm pretty sure for this songs we've talked less than 30 seconds about them. Oh, there's a couple of these we've just burned past because there's nothing there. Yeah, there's this record. Like, again, this is sort of the save the day thing where this record is not the worst thing ever, but it's just basic and boring. Yeah, this is another one of those albums that I'm just like, it. it it's like water cascading off of an oiled surface like it's just not <laughs> i feel like we need to talk about another bit of 2000s culture related to this album and hear me out i'm going somewhere with this okay i trust you let's all sit around the fire and listen to fletch talk about this yeah okay okay i'm in napster dealt a major blow to the recording industry not solely because of the fact that you could grab albums for free and there was really no way to crack down on it until they started going crazy with the legal things and putting out fake tracks and all sorts of other things. Napster beat the shit out of the music industry because this is an era where you had bands who would try for a couple of singles on the album and everything else was just filler. You needed to have X amount of length on an album to sell it to people, but there was no way short of 
if you wanted to buy CD singles, which may or may not exist for the band you like, to get the good track on the album, you had to pay somewhere around 20 bucks for all 16 songs, two of which you wanted. And Napster was game-changing because you don't have to download all 16 songs. You just have to get the singles and a deep cut your buddy plays for you once that you like, and that's it. And it's free. The music industry was hurting because so many bands like Lit existed, took up space in the room, got radio airplay and a budget push. This album didn't come cheap, and nobody asked for any of this except for Lit, which is why RCA kicked them out the door next year. Uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. That tracks. You might notice these days, albums don't have to be this many tracks long because they realize in digital form, some people are going to buy the singles, which a couple record labels will forbid you to do. You have to buy the album to get the first two radio songs. But otherwise, you have streaming. You can get things directly from the artists. No one has to justify sitting in the recording studio an extra three months to make two more tracks that nobody asked for. I mean, nowadays you don't even have to really do an album. There are a lot of artists who just release singles, which I don't love. And EPs, yeah. Little four-track. I don't love, I like al the album as a, you know, art form creating, like, a whole experience, like an hour musing experience that's coherent and has its own flow. But that is not what Lit is doing here. <laughs> this is not album as an art form. This is, we have 13 songs here. The, yeah, they were required by contract to put out X amount, be it length or tracks, for their next album. Nobody asked for most of it, except for the studio, who was footing the bill, and got shafted for their returns. She comes. Yeah, she does. Not by listening to Lit, but... There is a fan on this song, but like... This is more like filler music. I mean, this is... I don't know. This is one of the middle one. This is not terrible. This has a weird echo on it. Yeah, has like this good rhythmic sort of progression. And the voice is there. Uh, Popoff doesn't even have a terrible voice, we've heard worse. The riff is okay, but again, this is like filler music. This is like, what What do you even say about this? I don't know. It's not as bad as Sugar Cult. Like, they definitely put some work in trying to achieve a specific sound. The guitar tones are definitely something they thought about. There is, there is definitely work here. It's just, it doesn't result in a good thing. Like, I would never say that this sounds like stock music, but this sounds like filler music. This music sounds like 
uh, uh, something you would hear on the radio when you're at a gas station and you're just kind of like, well, it could be worse. Yeah. I would take a lit track while I'm fueling up my car over a clip from last night's Jimmy Fallon. Yep, exactly. It's like, well, it's music. <laughs> Do you guys have the um, the gas stations that have the little TV in the pub? Uh, sometimes. Uh, I don't think the gas station usually have a TV here. No. I've literally gotten just leftover, warmed over late night bits while I'm gassing up my car, and it's really annoying, actually. Oh, F. We have two tracks left. Live for this is song number 12. No, thanks. This is Green Day's Waiting But Bad. Yeah. I hate this episode. <laughs> There's nothing to talk about this record. If it makes you feel better, I did have a second note on this, but it's simply the word Christ <laughs> underlined three times. <laughs> I always feel like I need to get at least two notes on each track. <laughs> you can tell I was stretching. So, Fletch, what you're saying is that your notes for this album were a reflection of the uh, a fact that albums at the time just had to have a certain amount in them, and that's why we're in this mess in the first place. Oh, wow, this is meta. Yeah, 100%. For what it's worth, I will actually give us a little more material in a minute, but we have to finish the vanilla album first. Let's talk about the best track on the album, which closes I'm in over my head. <laughs> here's, here's, I think, the biggest problem with Atomic. The best single on this album came out a year before the album and got played into the ground. And then what do you have to get anyone excited to buy this? This sounds like my own worst enemy again, and this is bad my own worst enemy, but... You know what? I take Bad My Own Worst Enemy over the rest of what we listened so far. This is a bit pop punkier, this has a catchy chorus, that pre-chorus has a neat melody, I like how they sort of play around with the key the song is in, when they transition to the chorus. This song is fun! It has a stupid fucking ass video that I love where they all like, 
green screen the hell out of and put into the Titan AE graphics and it's really funny and <laughs> it is debatable if they survive or not at the end which is always fun and I don't know this song is enjoyable this is a good closer for the record I haven't seen Titan AE since the 2000s but I'm pretty sure that they did not reanimate anything they literally did just digitally insert the heads and torsos of the band over models in the film. It's great. Yeah, it's great. It's like green screen hell. There's a scene where they sort of like, you know, hang be behind like a table and shoot lasers at alien, which just make me think of like, what if Lit were the protagonist of Star Trek? What if, what if the new Star Trek reboot is just Lit in those roles? That would be fun. Quentin Tarantino and Lit present Star Trek. Okay, so I think I have to go. Uh, that that mental image just shaved 30 years off of my life and I need therapy, so... Um, I mean, Lit, is de Lit are definitely some of those guys who like Tarantino for all the wrong reasons. Lit are the guys who are like, this dude likes feet? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, this song is fun. That's a, that's a good call. This is a good pop song. It's not a great pop song, but it's just like, it's listenable, it's fun, has a good chorus. It has a... It's amazing that a year before this album, this song was made, and nobody took any lessons from it, and they went in the entirely different direction. Yeah, again, this song, it's more... It's more in tune with what, you know, with pop punk. It's more in tune with what was popular at the time. It's like, upbeat but not saccharinally sing-alongy the guitar work is a lot simpler there are less you know cheesy solos on it and it's have it just has a solid chorus and again i don't i don't have many praises to give this song because it's not fantastic but it's good like it's fun it actually has a sense of fun of energy and it's summary, it's like something that you could see yourself listening to. Has has a great intro. Just the voice going ah, in over my head before everything else starts. That is just like a nice bit of production. See, I think that if they had put this song towards the beginning of the album, I probably might have liked this song. But since it was at the end of this very long treacherous slog um i got nothing good to say about it i mean that is completely fair i didn't know of the song before the album so i did not just encounter it here it is very repetitive i would like to note like the chorus is repeated over and over and over and over and over and over but again it's a good chorus so when when your chorus is really good you can do that i just want energy out of these albums sometimes. If you're going to give me something downbeat, you need to lean in away from pop punk. You need to give me something that is more morose. But Lit doesn't have that. This record is very much not pop punk, though. I know. It's terrible that way. It's bad alt-rock, too. <laughs> but the thing is, here's where I'm going to take over, because I saw... There were extra B-sides to some of the singles that came with this. Almost all of them were covers 
of classic songs. I'm in danger. I Wanna Rock by Twisted Sister. Yeah, that tracks. They perform it well. These B-sides, these covers, are the best part of this album. Uh, Aretha Franklin's Chain of Fools. It's, that one's a weird one, but whatever. And here's a song that, if you know this, you're instantly going to go, oh my god, that's perfect for lit. Father Christmas by the Kinks. Okay. See? Like, that is, that is definitely the kind of music that they're, like, calling back to with this record. And for some reason, none of these are anywhere near the released album. None of that energy is on this. There's an alternate mix of Happy in the Meantime that's an improvement. And there's uh, there's a song called The Party's Over that I forget exists. Like, I'm looking at this right now and my brain can't conjure up what it is, so I guess it does fit with the rest of Atomic. But how wild is that, that the best material on this is just cast-offs and things that were done way before the record was recorded? Yeah, final thoughts. You want me to have thoughts about this? I want you to have thoughts about this. I am not sure that it warrants any thoughts. <laughs> I listened to it. I heard it with my ears. It's pretty forgettable. Yeah, yeah. This record is... It's really hard for me to savage it because it is mediocre. And I'm angrier that, especially with those bonus tracks and with that last single, there's there was something here. There was a group that could have been a much more interesting listen and this did not have anything in the vein of the successes or failures of their prior album. And this also doesn't have anywhere near the level of polish and energy and creativity as their modern music. So I guess this is just Lit's New America. <laughs> New America was better than this. Yeah, it was, but that's because Bad Religion's a much better band than Lit. What do you think about this? I mean, I've said what I think. This is Lit trying to do... Lit being like, we're not going to sell out anymore, we're just going to do the kind of music that we like. And turns out the kind of music that they like sort of suck, and it's like boring. So here's a bunch of nostalgia rock tracks that don't really work and they don't have much anything going on for them. And uh, I don't know. 
this is not the like I as you mentioned I don't have anything this is not sugarcoat where I can just like punch it down because it's genuinely garbage this is just so boring this is there's nothing here like all of the stuff has been done better in the era from which they come from you know what it seemed like it's like uh, uh you know in cartoons when people open up uh, a container and like they are expecting there to be something in there and then just like they open it and like a moth flies out <laughs> this is yeah. that that's what that this album was like do i have any recommendation oh i have a recommendation I have a better nostalgia dad rock record to recommend. Yeah. Uh, I was talking about this a while ago. The 2019 record from The Damned Things called High Crimes, which is, and bear with me with this, half of Fallout Boy, the guitar player from Anthrax, and the singer from Every Time I Die. This is a project they have going since 2010 for some reason. And yeah, it's like, Sort of, it's less dad rock and it's more like sort of sleazy hard rock. And it, it it's actually good. It's actually a lot of fun. They have a lot of good tracks and it's not anything amazing, but if you're in the mood for something slightly nostalgic and with that like old school rock and roll sound, it's a way better choice than this. Turns out even at their worst, Fallout Boy is more interesting than Lit. I love how this bre- this podcast makes me sound like the biggest like Fallout Boy fangirl ever, which I'm not, but they're interesting, unlike a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast. They actually do neat things, like having a whole record with their, the original guitar player from Anthrax. So, I'll give a recommendation as well. A few weeks back in the research for this show, I learned, oh shit, new Kylie Minogue album. Excellent. I love Kylie, and she's not doing the cowboy thing that really wasn't my jam. Alright, sold. There's, on the version I bought, a Basement Jacks remix, and that made me go, what have the Basement Jacks been up to? And as a result, I will just give you an era-specific one. Rudy fucking kicks ass. Go revisit Rudy. Adam, do you have any recommendation? I listen to the same five songs, two of which are anime openings. Like, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> you can recommend an anime opening. Uh, no, because neither of the anime are good. <laughs> Fletch, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're going to move away from Lit. Bad Religion are back to kick some ass with The Process of Belief. Yay. I hope this is as good as you say, because... I'm holding you to this being good, Fletch. If this is bad, I'm gonna cry. Like, if we do four terrible records in a row, I'm gonna genuinely cry on air. I will throw down legit money that after next week you're gonna be like, Oh, this is why you like these guys. That makes sense. That's fair. Same song, different chorus. This was the episode. You can find us at our amazing website, getoutofthistown.com, where you can access all of our content. We are content creators. We create content. 
We what? Our worst enemy are the content destroyers, which destroy content. We're locked in endless battle. You know that was a Doom Patrol episode, right? <laughs> Probably, I don't know. I haven't watched the series, I only read the original comic from Gun Morrison. <sighs> I'm not even gonna will actually you, but I'm tempted on <laughs> five levels. <laughs> The original comic yes. by Grant yes. Morrison. You heard me right. <laughs> A knife in my back, Elaine. I don't know what we're talking about, but this is funny. Come at me, nerd. Come at me, nerd. Come at me, nerd. <laughs> the original comic by Grant Fuck. Morrison. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you can mail us at getoutofthistownpodcast at gmail.com. Do it. We are generally really lonely. So if you write us, you'll remind us that uh, other people exist and give a shit about the things we do, which is nice. It's a good reminder. It is. You can at us at G-G-O-O-T-T podcast on Twitter. Please do it. We don't mind. And you can review us everywhere that you want to review us, like iTunes or Stitcher. Please do that. Fun. Helps us. And of course, we're everywhere. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon. We should have like a song about it iTunes, Spotify, Google I can make Play. us a little jingle. You know, like the Nation song from Animaniacs, but with the... Oh, I thought you were doing 99 bottles of beer on the wall. I mean, they have similar, uh... iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Stitcher. Something, something. I Heart Radio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 and yeah, next up, as we mentioned, we're gonna talk about a bad religion. Big return. And Fletch will do the history for that. So, have fun, Fletch. I will. It's going to be good. Uh, it's going to be a real good, upbeat one of these sessions. Because this is where they bring on the drummer from the suicidal tendencies. Ooh, cool. Yeah. And do you have anything to plan, Fletch? You can find all of my works at hellscaper.com. And do you have anything to plan, Adam? Uh, nope. I don't exist. And you can as always find me at ACC the Moon on Twitter. And if you want to support us, we do not have a Patreon, but we'll also sell you the rights to some cool band names if you ask us. And if you're into that, we also have a couple of bridges for sale at the moment. Have a good night. Florida land is going up. Goodbye. Goodbye. I've got the time to stick around I'll catch my flight like a pop pumpkin And get out of this town What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down Let's terrify He was on Doctor Who And that's pretty much all I, I acknowledge I mean, every British person ever was on Doctor Who I'm sure I was on Doctor Who at some point When I was in the UK Exactly. Exactly. They're all equal. They are all equal in the eyes of Doctor Who. Ellie, Adam, I have to show you James Corden's number in Cats sometime. No, you don't. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's one of the most horrifying scenes in that movie. He literally stops the song in the middle of it. Because he's too fat for cats to lift I, him. That's yes. a terrible joke that shouldn't exist. He's also Donald Duck in it. He's one of the only cats who wears clothes, but he dis 
distinctly lacks pants. I don't know if I can do this. Can you imagine if Lit wasn't cut? Yes. I think it would be uh, not much different. Also, at least one of the pop-offs would think they were so hardcore they had to be Mr. Mephistopheles. I'm the bad boy cat. Rawr. I'm sad now. This conversation is so bad that I want to go back to talking about lit. How about we just cut to the chase and say that we're all feeling down because remember, lit murdered a guy. Yeah, well, we'll get there in the obligatory, but like today we're talking about lit with the fireworks in the background. Give me a second. Ah, good old Saint Valentine fireworks, I guess. That's a new tradition that I wasn't aware of. I thought this was one of the holidays where you burned an effigy of Saint Valentine. <laughs> there are multiple <laughs> holidays where you do that? Yeah, I've definitely done that for Easter. And after you do that, you restore one humanity. How many fireworks are you firing? And why are you doing that out of my from literally outside my window? Fucking Naples. I don't know what's with this like fucking city and fireworks. You remember lit? No. <laughs> 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 